When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. What's up, you guys? Sean Ross Sapp. It's Fightful's post-Raw podcast for May 4th. We're joined by Denise Salcedo. Denise, how the heck are you? I'm happy because it's Monday and I'm here and I'm pretty hyped. I'm pretty hyped too. We had a lot of great stuff drop on Fightful. My RJ City interview, we casually went 51 minutes because you all liked our first interview so much. Hot dog. Of course, we got that Deanna Perrazzo interview up. I'm still dropping clips on my Twitter, at Sean Ross Sapp. Mike Bennett, uh, new article on that uh, was up this weekend as well. My Just Incredible interview. I was able to find a lot of the interviews that I did last like November and December, and I'm now able to bring those to you. So you're going to see some articles and some videos with me with hair. It's going to be wild, but we also dropped an exclusive on Fightful Select this past week, and the article is on Fightful.com. The Revival actually got out of their contracts by handing over some uh, trademarks that they had spent thousands of dollars on. Otherwise, Scott Dawson was about to be extended even longer without pay. So go over to Fightful.com and check that out, and definitely subscribe to FightfulSelect.com. I'm going to have a whole mess of John Moxley news this week because I interviewed him. That's dropping next week. But you can get all the exclusives at FightfulSelect.com. But what you can get right now is your question or statement read if you're watching live on YouTube.com slash Fightful. Donate a super chat any amount. Get your question or statement read on the air. Of course, you can subscribe to Fightful Select. Ask up to 10 questions on our Q&A show every week. But let's get right into it. Bedwetter says, why do 90% of wrestlers do a flip when they get rammed into the barricade? I get they're trying to sell, but physically it's impossible for someone to flip like that from getting tossed towards the barricade. Okay, so I can tell you why I was told that stuff like that happens. Like, oh, why does everybody land the same? Why does everybody do that? And they don't bring it up on commentary. The kayfabe reason is to be, that's why you went to wrestling school, was so that you could learn how to fall in the safest way possible. Uh, that you, you turn into things like that, that way you don't run neck first into something. And that's supposed to be the explanation of how everybody falls. Once you know you're going to do it, you just go ahead and do it that way. And that's the kayfabe explanation, at least. Denise, do things like that ever ever get you where you're like, why, why does that happen? No, you know what? I don't think I see. I don't consider myself like a nitpicker on things. Like when it comes to how certain wrestlers do certain things, the way I see, I'm like, all right, if they do it that way, they do it that way. Like I don't, it doesn't really take me away from the match or the wrestler. It depends though, obviously, but for the most part, it doesn't. Yeah. I'm a big stickler for stuff like that. I like everything to make as much sense as possible. I'll tell you guys what makes sense. UFC 249 this weekend. It's a banger. UFC is back. I did a preview show on YouTube.com slash Fightful MMA Boxing. Go over there and subscribe. I shared it on this channel as well. 
Uh, it's the first preview I've had to do in two months, so make sure you guys check it out. It is a loaded card, and I don't know if you guys have ever been here in our live discussions during a UFC show, but we have like thousands of comments over there. It's it's the most active that our message boards are, or our comment boards are, so check that out. But without further ado, let's talk Monday Night Raw. I've, I've kept you guys waiting long enough. If we keep people for more than four minutes, they're like, ugh. Y'all did a raw review and didn't start it for four minutes. Oh, well, the VIP lounge kicked this show off. MVP brings out Shayna, Naya, and Oscar. What did you think of these promos that were uncorked? Naya implies that MVP is stupid. Oscar screams in Japanese, and they give Shayna some really deliberate dialogue, where she pretends to not want to talk, then completely explains herself. You know, when they first started, when they first kicked off Raw this way, I was like, oh, this is not going to be good. Like, that was just my initial reaction. But I actually liked the chemistry between Shayna and Asuka. I don't, like, whatever was going on between them, I thought that was enough to at least make the segment enjoyable. And I actually was noticing one of the things that was, like, heavy for me during the segment were all the facials. And I actually really enjoyed Naya's facial reaction when she was just watching Shayna and Asuka. And the next thing you know, they both attacked her i thought that was actually a pretty nice touch to the segment it turned out a lot better than what i was expecting it to be and i'm just gonna say that i think Shayna and oscar carried all of that yeah i do too i know a lot of people take issue with the fact that nia Jax is supposed to be a monster heel and she has the accent she has it doesn't bother me at all like are our heels all supposed to sound the same way are they all supposed to sound like bane no she's from the coast she's got an accent who gives a shit? There, I don't have a problem with that at all, but that's something that I always see people bring up, and, and I just don't get it. I love that when Asuka screams the second time around, she works in easy peasy. If you listen, she like screams that in almost all of her promos. But they both end up beating up Nia Jax, and I, I'm cool with that. They are the Raw representatives. But they, a lot of people thought that they spoiled something because they announced Becky Lynch will be at Raw next week to confront the Money in the Bank winner. But then they announced that the winner of the Money in the Bank ladder match can only challenge for their brand's respective title. Do you think yeah. they fumbled here? Well, I think so too because I was confused there for a second when they announced that. I was like, wait, what? I was like, it took me a second to realize like what was happening. And I kind of just decided to like play it off and not pay too much attention to it. But obviously, it, the fact that they did mention that is a big spoiler or a, like a big like, hello, like this is happening next week. Also, I don't think they should limit it to each brand's title or anything like that it should be that they've got that briefcase they earned that briefcase they can challenge for whatever damn title they want even if it's the intercontinental title or the u.s title or the nxt title they can do what the hell they want i think that should be their golden ticket to break rules in wwe and considering how much wwe likes to break their own rules denise i'm surprised they're not doing that this is their Get out of jail free card with the wild card rule and the brand split. It gives them a reason to do stuff like this. Now, what I don't want is like AJ Styles to win that, then pop up on SmackDown and wrestle a match. I don't want him doing that. I want him threatening a cash in on SmackDown because Denise, they're all at the performance center right now. It ain't hard yeah. for him to do that. 
It's not like insane travel or anything. It just makes too much sense, and it's weird to me that they restrict it. Well, see, I the only reason – I like that idea, but I think the only reason they don't do it that way is because it's like, okay, somebody wins, and then they have to pick the title, pick which title they want to challenge for. So it almost feels like they're picking, like, which one is better than the other one or which one has more of importance to it. So I almost feel like maybe they're trying to eliminate that, at least for this perspective of it. But I do like the idea of it being, like, games on. It could be anybody. I think that would make it a little bit more exciting. Yeah, and when I when I think about this, I'm like, man, I don't want this to be like the Royal Rumble. The Royal Rumble is where somebody wins and that you know when they're getting their shot and they declare what title they're they're competing for. I want this to be a little bit more unpredictable. It's like the new wave Royal Rumble. I say that when the match is 15 years old, which you know it, it might is that the last great new match type or stipulation they've had, and it wasn't even a new match. It was just a new stipulation. But really, right. after that, I can't think of a lot that they've had. Because Hell in a Cell, Elimination Chamber, Money in the Bank were all from 97 to 05. Yeah, no, I mean, unless you want to count the Boneyard match. <laughs> that was really good. But I don't think they'll do another one, but they might right. do more cinematic stuff. But Right, exactly. Either way, the last chance gauntlet kicks off. I thought for sure Gender was going to get this spot. And let me tell you... I'm relieved, Denise. <laughs> I'm relieved too because I like I hate to be like that person, but I wasn't on board with it last week, and I'm still not on board with this yeah. this week. I'm just gonna suck the fun out and not be interested in that. So I'm glad, in a, like in the nicest way possible, I'm glad that he didn't get that. Spot. Yeah, me too. I mean, I don't like Jinder Mahal's work. I think there is a short-term story to be told, a one-month story to be told with he and Jinder Mahal, but then you move on. But not only that, though, like not just to say like, oh, this is an attack on gender. But here's the thing. When I'm seeing a qualifying match for Money in the Bank, I'm looking at potential guys who I think would be perfect for this kind of match. So when I'm picking who I want to see go into this match, I'm thinking who's going to do some really cool stuff um, in the Money in the Bank that makes me want to see them. So that's how I was picking. Hey, this is who I would like to move forward because I know they'll do cool stuff. Well, I was very excited for this last chance gauntlet match. I thought it would go like an hour, the segment. It went, I think, about 43 minutes. And I love that they, they straight up said, we do not know how many participants are in this gauntlet. I loved that. That added a level of unpredictability to it. And Bobby Lashley kicked it off. You see him working out backstage. He beats Titus O'Neil quick. This was Titus's first match of the year. Gets beaten with a spear quick. Akira Tozawa is next. He's lost like 11 matches in a row on Raw. He eats a spear. Shelton Benjamin comes out next, and he gets a lot more offense. Knee, blockbuster, nasty bump on the apron for Lashley, but he gets speared. That's a wrap. I love Bobby Lashley running through these three guys really quickly because it makes Bobby Lashley look really good, and he needs to look really good. Yeah, it's funny because I was actually kind of I, I was kind of hoping more for Akira Tozawa. I was like, you know what? He's been so consistent every week. I'd rather see him move forward. So when I obviously knew he wasn't, but I was like, you know what? I wouldn't be angry if they moved forward with Akira Tozawa. I knew he wouldn't have made it all the way towards the end, obviously. But I was like, you know what? I would actually like to see a win for him. Yeah, uh, he, he's getting some on 205 Live and all that, but... It's that that's about the extent of it. 
Then it gets bad. I don't, you know, I'm not gonna like this, Denise. Humberto, I don't think he's been on the show in a month. Okay, so really quick, when his music came out, it was like my brain registered it like Umberto's out, and then my second part of my brain was like Sharma. Like that's it. Like now your name is forever associated with Umberto. And the thing is, like, <laughs> I've had some people that are like, "Oh, it's funny. It's like a, a gimmick thing." Now, no. I don't do a gimmick on my shows, guys. I'll do a gimmick on WrestleTalk's Quizzlemania show. I'll do it there. That ain't my show. I'm trying to bring you all news and, and my, my thoughts on this stuff. It ain't a gimmick, me not liking Humberto Carrillo. And again, I gotta say this. I don't know the guy personally. He's a very impressive athlete. I do not like his in-ring work. There's a lot that doesn't make sense to it. In a few years... Maybe I will. Next week, maybe he'll have a match that will make me go, wow, he put it together. But there is no personality to this guy. His gimmick right now, Denise, is that he's lucky. Yeah. That's it. And it's, and we'll talk about that because we cut, we saw that again today, the whole lucky thing moving him forward. He has been on Raw one time before tonight, one time since Elimination Chamber. That's it. And he's been on main event, and he's been winning a lot on main event, but nobody watches main event. So when he shows up, and Lashley gets DQ'd for touching an official, that's dork shit. I can't stand that. And Yeah, that made him look really bad. It made him look really, really geeky, because I was like, oh, Bobby Lashley is disqualified, and he's there beating, beating down, and I'm thinking, oh, God, like, yes, this is a win, but it's not a win where it makes him look like a man. Like, hey, this is a good win for him. No. Yeah, that part that part did not make him look good at all. Evan Wright sends a super chat. He says, this Humberto stuff needs to end. It's getting tiring. Reminder, guys, donate a super chat. Helps us support our podcasters, our writers, all that good stuff. Uh, it'll get your question or statement right on the air. It is very tiring to me, Denise. And it was bad enough that Lashley got himself DQ'd that way. But then Angel Garza comes in, beats his ass for about five or six minutes. Then bam, sunset flip. And I'm like, aight. Then Austin Theory comes in, does the same, hits a superplex, gets pinned. Aight. How are we supposed to take this stable seriously now? Yeah, I was really there's there's two things that's three things that I think surprised me on today's show and this was one of them. I was not expecting uh Umberto to win this match at all. I actually thought that right after that it was going to be over and then when I saw some theory came out come out, I was like, "Okay, well that explains that portion of it." But even then it kind of did take me back a little bit because it just kind of came out of nowhere and didn't really feel like earned at for this match. Yeah, in I just don't care about the guy. I just do not care about him. And it's their fault that I don't care about him. They introduce people as losers and then expect you to care about them. And boy, let me tell you, when we get to that later, but then AJ Styles comes out. Thank God we got a fresh matchup for AJ Styles here. Not like he ain't beat Humberto 84 times anyway. Oh, wait. He has. So I'm glad AJ has come out. And I actually like this for AJ. Because AJ has one clean win on WWE TV this year. And this is a good way to bring him back and give him a reason to be near the top. Because if he wins Money in the Bank, 
there you go. You've won that match. You've competed with apparently 12 people and won this match, and you have a title shot. I don't need a giant build for that. But uh, nothing about uh, Carrillo gets gets me into him, but Styles, I'm glad he's back. Raw needs him. Well, not only that, like the fact that they had AJ Styles come back and be part of this, I felt that it made that one remaining spot feel that much more important. Because at first it was like, you know, a lot of guys, I was like, okay, maybe I don't really, I don't mean, no offense, but I really do not care or have any investment in Bobby Lashley moving forward to money in the bank and getting the money in bank and the money in the bank. I have no investment in that. So for me to see some guys like AJ Styles come in, it feels more important for that spot to be filled and to be filled by somebody that I actually believe has a chance in winning money in the bank. Well, this was the quarterly, hey, let's injure Humberto Carrillo because we don't know what to do with him spot. Like once every two or three months, they just have somebody beat the living shit out of him so they can take him off TV a month. Why? Because they don't know what to do with him because he's not good. So they take him off TV. Styles runs down him coming back to rewrite history. He says he didn't lose the Boneyard match. Because there are no rules in a Boneyard match. And he says, I got buried. So what? I didn't lose. I love that. I thought that was a hilarious line. This whole... the. Everything that AJ Styles said was hilarious after this. I couldn't stop laughing. I don't know if you noticed that he flubbered when he said WWE. I don't even know what he said. I couldn't stop laughing, though. I thought that was so funny. Um, so that was, like, my my favorite part. Yeah, I, I really like this. AJ Styles, I think, is the best option to win Money in the Bank. And we'll make our, our predictions on the card in a bit because I'm sure we'll have time at the end of this show. Maurice sends a super chat. He says, hey, Sean, with the rumors of Becky making a jump to Hollywood, hope we get a few years out of her in wrestling and a match with Tessa Blanchard outside of WWE. Well, I think you're going to get more years of her wrestling, but I would not expect a match with Tessa Blanchard outside of WWE. They ain't letting her go. They will back up the Brinks truck. They will pay her whatever she needs to just to not wrestle somewhere else. She is worth more to them on a retainer not eligible to wrestle anywhere else. So, And good for her getting all of these really awesome opportunities. You know, not very many people get to have those opportunities, and she's killing it. Yeah, the spot on Billions this weekend. Good for her. Good for her. Seth Rollins uh, comes out. I'm with our writer, Jeremy Lambert. I think Rollins needs updated theme music for what he's doing now. I think something almost more church-esque would work for him. Something more mellow because or like creepy because he's supposed to be like a messiah. And to me, like those are creepy. Like, I'm sorry, but like anybody who like claims to be like, you know, like a god or something to me is just cuckoo. So I need to see like some like some like chilling type of music to go along with that. So I can see the church vibe coming. Yeah. Uh, Rollins says that he's not trying to crush Drew's dreams or take anything away from him. He wants to unburden Drew McIntyre from the championship because he knows what it's like. And the thing I like about this promo, there's a lot of validity to it. I mean, Rose Namajunas, UFC, former UFC champion, she said that when she got dropped on her head and knocked out, a weight got lifted off of her shoulders because there was a lot of pressure being UFC champion. And there are some people that handle it a lot better than others. 
There are some people that fold under pressure and can't handle it. I thought the sit-down method of this interview worked, even with nobody there. I, I always like that. I prefer that to somebody with a microphone just going out and talking. I like it better when, they, when their questions prompted. But Rollins feels says, more serious. Yeah, yeah. So I, I liked the, everything about this promo. I thought Rollins and Charlie both did great. And I'm glad they said that because I remember saying that a couple of weeks ago. That's like, yeah, we got we got the guy that we wanted to win the Royal Rumble. We got him and all of that. But at this point, uh, we have to see him like he has to be that person that the fans still want to root for. And, you know, at some point it could be very easy to lose the audience. It could be very easy for us to be like, you know what? We just have no interest in him anymore. And so for him, for Seth Rollins to go out and say like, oh, it's harder when you're on top. uh, That's actually a pretty good reason. You know, they say that when your reputation gets completely ruined, that you're truly alive. So I almost feel like that sort of ties into what he said and what you mentioned about uh, the story that you just mentioned. I feel like that all ties in. So it kind of gives it a different perspective where he's not just saying, oh, I want to win the title because I want to win the title and I want to be the man. Like, no, he's doing it because he feels he has like this like bigger reason, this larger thing that's larger than him. So it adds like another element to this whole storyline. Myron Kidd says, looks like Ricochet and Cedric Alexander will be wished well in their future endeavors or granted their release after that BS we saw tonight. I would not count on it. Um, I I don't think so at at all. I don't know how I feel about them losing. I don't feel great about it, though, because Denise, Brendan Vink, and Shane Thorne were introduced as losers. Concentrated over the last month. Lose, 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 lose. 0-4. Shane Thorne getting crushed on NXT even. They're losing on Raw. They're losing on NXT. They're losing together. They're losing separately. But MVP had a little talk with them before the match, and they had a real lame promo. And this was a pretty quick match. Cedric got sent into the barricade hard and hit a great Tornado DDT, but Ricochet eats a boot and gets pinned. Huh? Ricochet and Cedric are 50-50. They are 3-3 three and three now. Getting beat by a team that have been jobbers, Denise. What the hell? So, okay. So, several things. That was the other shocker for me during today's show. It's like... I didn't expect it. I didn't see it coming, but I won't say that I hated it. I think people on Twitter hated it a lot more than I did. And the only reason being is that I was like, okay, we're always talking about there being more tag teams, more tag teams, et cetera. We're tired of the same stuff. And yeah, Shane Thorne and Brandon Vink have essentially been jobbers. We know that. But I was like, you know what? At least they're sort of making them more important now and giving them a win. So maybe they, I mean, probably now. Next week, they'll come back and then get they'll lose and they'll call it a fluke, whatever. But I think it kind of gives them a little bit something. And I don't mind new talent, a new tag team having something that maybe I didn't expect for that to happen. But I will say this, though. I had no idea that Ricochet and Cedric were going to lose this match at all. Like, it came out of nowhere. It was a big surprise. But it, overall, though, it was a fun match, I think. And WWE didn't really have any choice because of a couple things. They released Ryder and Hawkins. They released Curtis Axel, so no more B-team. Rezar is hurt, so no Authors of Pain. Jimmy Uso is hurt, so no Usos. The, it's slim pickings right now. They've got four or five teams that are sidelined or released or out or gone. 
Uh, yeah, the OC you, got fired too. And it's almost like a perfect reason. Like that's why like we should always have like more people because look at all of these things that have been changing people that are out, people that are injured, people that got released. And next thing you know, there's little to nobody left. Yeah. And <sighs> Rob Wilkins says, do you know how long WWE has been doing 50, 50 booking in which it's noticeable? Also, will Vince regret not making money, never having Undisputed Era versus Club with Balor? No, I don't think Vince thinks that he left money on the table. I don't think that he ever has regrets over stuff like that. Plus, he's a billionaire. What does he have to feel bad about? It's not him getting affected. It's the people that that watch the show and that that aren't getting booked that are getting affected. But as I specifically remember WWE doing this really badly over the last decade— just win, loss, win, loss, win, loss. It's a carousel where nobody ever gets over, Denise. The only time people get over big is when fans feel like their their favorites have been shit on to the point to where they want to see them overcome it. And then, then they, they have they, to have a grand moment like Kofi Kingston and Elimination Chamber. Then they get their grand moment, they do their thing, and then they're they're neutered effectively. Mm. Exactly. Viking Raiders defeated Street Profits, but it wasn't a tag team title match. It was a good match, but you know they're going to run this back on Sunday, Denise. You just know they are. (laughs) Uh, I am very glad Montez Ford's ankle is in one piece because that body drop counter, I thought that it was done. I thought he was gone. Instead, he eats a diesel-style jackknife powerbomb and gets splashed. Uh, Dawkins runs outside uh, and and takes out both Viking Raiders. Montez botched a drop kick a little bit and landed on on Eric, I think. But if he can perfect that, that would look really good. Where he drop kicks somebody, they land underneath him, and then he lands on them. I mean, the Claymore was an accident too, but you also see the the Thor's hammer from Viking Experience. But that gets broken up. Dawkins breaks up a breaks up uh, their finish. Then Montez does a frog splash, and then the ma- the end of the match came when Dawkins got hit with a Viking experience. That was a sight to see. Dawkins all the way up in the air getting hit with that move. But yeah, this was a hard hitting match. I it actually was. really enjoyed it. Like I felt they did it. They I thought the style of it was different from what we're used to normally seeing their matches what they normally are so i actually appreciated that um it went a lot longer than i expected and not because oh like it it was mainly just because every single match on this show prior to that was super fast so for me this match just felt like extremely long in comparison to all the other matches but i overall thought that it was fine i mean to be honest like because we've seen this so many times i wasn't like super excited about it or i know we're gonna see it again in the future but i still enjoyed it for what it was Yeah, and it just frustrates me because I know what they're doing, and everybody knows what they're doing. Everybody knows they're going to wrestle on Sunday, and everybody knows the Street Profits are going to beat them on Sunday. And we're back on this 50-50 carousel bullshit, and they make these guys go back and say, because the raid is on. Go to hell. We have turkey legs. (laughs) I hate it because we're the street prophets and we want the smoke because I'm the boss. Because I'm the Miz and I'm awesome. Why is that because? 
Like catchy slogans, they sell T-shirts. Yeah, yeah, that's fine, but you don't gotta say because. Like you say all this shit, and then you, when you say because, it's like, oh well, all that stuff only matters because I'm about to say my slogan. It right. doesn't matter. Have a nice day. If you smell what the rock is cooking, I am the game. I mean, Jesus Christ, that's the bottom line because Stone Cold said so. Oh, hell yeah. Why do they all got to be because they got in this weird mode where they started to teach everybody at OVW to say, my name is, and then cut their promo because they wanted the channel flippers in case they tuned in and saw a promo from a guy who had been around for three years. They wanted him to go, my name is, that way they would know their freaking name. Instead of just having a fucking nameplate below them. These wrestling tropes are the things that non-wrestling fans look at and they go, God, that's dorky. How can you watch this shit? How can you watch these two dweebs run around with turkey legs singing in a car. And you know what? If they have a lighter side, that's fine. But it was so forced. So forced. And I know these guys are great wrestlers. I know they're great performers. And I know they have a lighter side because I've seen the the Ray Rowe, Eric, Viking stuff. It's very entertaining. But what they've had them do outside the ring the last few weeks has not been, what the f... I'm... (laughs) I'm literally the only person in this whole entire planet that enjoyed that segment. The only one. The only one. There's always got to be one, right? Let me tell you, Denise, how much I didn't like that segment a couple weeks ago. It made my penis incredibly soft. Fortunately, no. blue chew. <laughs> When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Was there to help. If you want to go from a chicken wing to a big turkey leg, BlueChew.com has you covered. That way you can cover your loved one in whatever you want to cover them in. And it will last a lot longer than a 30 second job match. You won't get 50 50 booked here. You're going over strong thanks to BlueChew.com code Fightful. And it delivers straight to your door a lot more discreetly than this segue that I just gave you. You know, Postman, he's busy. He's not going to notice what you're getting anyway. He's got other stuff to worry about in this environment. But he's not going to know you're getting that blue chew either. And you don't have to go to the pharmacy. You don't have to go to the doctor. And you don't need to go to either one of those if you can avoid it these days. It's prescribed online. By Blue Chew affiliated physicians. It can get into your system a lot faster because it's chewable with the same FDA approved active ingredients as Viagra and Cialis, but it's a lot better than those. It's a lot faster than those, and it's a lot more effective than those. They'll figure out what active ingredient works the best for you. And you don't just have to have a plan or have to have a problem to use this stuff. It's to increase that performance. It's to make sure you get your push because nobody's going to give your push for you. 
You got to give yourself the push. Everybody wants their push. You can get your first shipment free by using the code Fightful. Just pay $5 shipping. That's it. Pay the mailman. Take care of them. BlueChew.com code Fightful. You like that one, did you, Denise? I'm never going to see the turkey leg the same ever yeah. again. I have visuals in my mind that have been implanted for the rest of my life. There you go. Well, uh, <laughs> not implanted for the rest of your life is seeing Roman Reigns in this Seth Rollins video. Did you notice they edited him out? I'm already axing some questions. So I saw that, and then I saw that somebody else also tagged me in it on Twitter and stuff, and I was just like, Oh, man, because, you know, obviously we've heard the rumors, et cetera, et cetera, about everything that's been going on. And it's just like I, I don't really see the point, though. I don't really see the point in removing him from the video. That's just my personal opinion. I don't I don't get it. I don't see why. I Part of me even thought maybe it was a mistake. Maybe it was just like a botch thing. Maybe they just forgot. But I could be wrong. I don't know if, like, I could be reading or everybody could be reading too much into it. It could have been just like a slip. I don't know. If you guys are watching on YouTube, leave us a thumbs up. That stuff really helps us. I think commenting helps us too. I don't know. I don't know the YouTube algorithm. I'm not sure. Just share the video, okay? Tell people to subscribe, all right? Uh, also, I want to send condolences to our buddy Tim Traver. He lost his sister this weekend. Uh, send him some well wishes. He is... Uh, one of the great dudes that has supported us for a very long time, and we're sending our thoughts out to him and his family, his, his friends, all all those people, because I'm sure that's not easy to deal with. Uh, and he is a great dude. Love that guy. And who you know, I, I don't have the pleasure of knowing his family, but they got to be good people to have a guy like him. Bedwetter, what a, what a segue out of that. Uh, says, "OMG, I hate WWE slogans." Just like they kept hamming the risk versus the reward crap. <laughs> is Get it, these hands. <laughs> yeah, is it just me, but it seems like Michael Cole gets an orgasm when Roman comes out. It's the big dog. Well, I know that you'll get an orgasm when your time when you use BlueChew.com code Fightful. But, but we see Rey Mysterio cut a promo about what money in the bank is. He implied that he would fall off the roof, but he also said, Climb the corporate ladder. And I'm like... Ooh, makes me mad, Denise. Wait, why did it make you mad? I hate forcing that shit. Like, it's, he sounded like a commercial. I'm going to climb the corporate ladder. And I'm going to take a risk. I'm known known for taking risks. But I'm going to take the biggest one of my career when I go to the top of WWE headquarters. Yeah, I said it. I'm going to climb the corporate ladder. Damn, man. Poor Damn. Ray. I actually thought he did just fine. I was like, hey, he comes out here, he promotes money in the bank. It's all good. If you can tell, guys, I've had a few weekends off. And this weekend, I got to work. Which I love my job. I love working. There's nothing more legitimately that I love than hanging out and talking wrestling with you guys. But I am not going to pretend like I have not enjoyed Sitting on my ass and eating chili dogs the last few weekends. It's been pretty awesome. Edge and Randy Orton are advertised for next week. Cool. WWE needs some star power. You got Edge, Randy Orton, you got Becky. You're getting 
getting AJ back. They need these people. We ain't, we ain't going to see Undertaker or Brock, and that's fine. But they need these people back bad. Yeah, especially because this has obviously all been the lead up to Money in the Bank. And so now it's like if you're a fan that, let's say, you're not as interested in what's going on, you're just watching leading up to Money in the Bank, and then you're like, well, why do I have to watch next week? Hey, having these announcements helps. So hopefully, you know, we see, like, consistency. Yeah, I agree. Charlotte comes out and brags about pulling double duty since winning the NXT title, and Liv Morgan interrupted her, and I thought cut a really good promo. Because we haven't seen a lot of Liv Morgan promos. She's calling Charlotte Char and saying she's coming for her title. Charlotte pretends she doesn't know her. Liv talks about a silver spoon being fed to Charlotte's ass, then to her mouth. Uh, yeah. But then Liv wanted a match, and I just thought, son of a bitch. I knew it was going to be a good match, and it was. But Liv Morgan was 7-2 and two since coming back. Some singles wins. And I'll just say this. First off, what did you think of the promo? Okay, so first of so first of all, with the promo, I, okay, I know what they were going for. I know what she was going for. I won't say that it was the greatest thing ever because I did feel like uh, – I almost felt like she was thinking too much about the lines and thinking about what she had to say next. And, you know, I've seen so many, like, TV shows. I know I know that part. I know how, how those, you know, mean girl lines are supposed to be played and whatnot. So I kind of felt that did – felt a little short to me but that's not to say that I don't think that Liv Morgan is going to be like super awesome because I honestly think that she has something that none of the other women on the roster has and she has this rate she's very relatable and she's very likable and she's the one person or one of the few women on there that I think can connect to a younger female audience and I tweeted that out because I do like honestly think that like I can see it like I remember like you know back in my teenage days if Liv Morgan was like around during that time I would have been like a big time fan of her so I feel like she connects to she can connect to fans in that way but I did think that the promo itself did feel a little bit um it felt a little bit forced but I think that if she continues to do this sort of stuff I think it'll just get better and I like the direction that they're going with her right now it still doesn't connect to the vignettes and what she's been doing so it kind of seems like it's a new thing that they're doing with Liv I like Liv. I, I completely agree with you. I think you're spot on. She can attract a younger demographic. I mean, she's she's 25. She'll be 26 next month. But she's been signed to WWE since she was like 20, 21, I think. She is still a young woman that can relate to people like that. She can She can understand far more than what a lot of the writing team can, how to approach that demographic. And I think she's great. I think she has star written all over her, and I hear nothing but good things about her from the locker room as well. Then we get a match, and I was like, damn, do, do we need to do this? This is one where I was hoping a shit finish would happen, but Liv has some great offense. The half-pipe stomp is really good for her. The face buster's good. The double knees are good. The head scissors are good. The flying head scissors. And Charlotte... Also, like, I love her head scissor stomps where she does, like, the, the figure four around the neck and then slams their face into the mat. She counters a, a drop kick with the Boston Crab, countered the head scissors with a power bomb. And I thought that Charlotte helped out Liv a lot on that power bomb by that look of disbelief on her face. And it wasn't the typical, oh, she kicked out. Charlotte, like, laughed about it. She's like, ah, this girl just kicked out of that. And I didn't think she was going to. I thought that was really good. 
And Charlotte wins with a figure eight. And I'm okay with that. And everybody's like, oh, well, of course, it's Charlotte. Charlotte didn't book the show. Charlotte didn't write the script. Charlotte didn't book this match. And did Liv look good hanging with her? Yes. Was the match good? Yes. WWE has a real tough time grasping, consistently building up one person who is a champion and is really good, and then another person who is a challenger and is really good, then keeping them the fuck away from each other until the first time they face on a pay-per-view where you got to give money to see something because nobody is ordering this weekend's pay-per-view to see Street Profits and Viking Experience. Will they pay for pay-per-views or WWE Network in the future to see them in matches with other teams? Yeah, I, sh- I think they will. They're, I think they're all really great. But nobody is paying to watch this for a 50th time. Nobody. Charlotte beating Liv immediately knocks down a contender. Now, maybe Liv comes back and reels off five wins. That's fine. But, you know, I see Aleister Black, and Aleister Black has not lost a clean one-on-one match in a year. That's why I keep telling people he don't need money in the bank. He just needs to win, and then they need to say, oh, this guy's won a lot of matches, and that should be what determines who's going to fight for this championship. It shouldn't be just some happenstance situation where they bump into each other in a hallway, and Alistair looks back, and he's like, well, I'm going to drink your blood from a chalice while I sit in a dark room. Don't open my blinds, Dad. I don't need something like that. I need them to say, this guy wins matches. This girl wins matches, so she should get a title shot. But I don't see that happening at all, though. At all. Like, I feel Doesn't like, happen yeah, in UFC either. Matches, but they're, they could just easily forget about that. It, 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 he has to have something to have him be that constant reminder. That's the thing. He wins matches every week. But, but they're not going to remember that, though. If he has something like a briefcase that's concrete and visual, that's we what, can visually see it. That's what commentary is for. That's what their 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 bar at but the bottom they, is. But are they pushing it over? I don't remember them pushing. Like that's saying, their like, problem. That's part of the see, problem. That's what I'm saying. If they haven't done it before, and then what? Why are they all of a sudden going to do it now? Why shouldn't they? Why shouldn't they? Well, just they because. Should. But yeah. I don't think they are. <laughs> They've got nameplates. The AEW put stats at the bottom of theirs. That way you can see, Dan, this guy's 6-0. and oh. oh, I don't shit. like that. Why? Because I just feel like it's I, – I don't like it. <laughs> I don't understand it. You just don't like it? Why? Okay, I don't I don't like it because I feel that it could be kind of misconstrued sometimes where a guy has a certain record that isn't as good as another guy's, but then he could get easily get a title shot with somebody else. So I feel like you could easily book yourself into a corner where you're like, oh, man, we really want to see this guy versus this guy, but he doesn't have the stats that he needs to be there. So I feel like sometimes that could be a little bit complicated. So if you do the stats stuff and you make it like a real sport, you got to really stick to that stuff instead of jumping around it and making it seem like, you know, it doesn't work. That's why you just make so, it make sense. Right. That's if why you, you just make book it I'm all there for it. You just book it to make sense. That's that's why. That AEW could not justify Jake Hager getting a title match 2 months ago. So what they had him do was go 5 and 0 on TV. Then they're like, "Damn, this guy's 5 and 0. Let's book him in a title shot, title match." Did I love it? No. 
But that doesn't mean they should not make sense. UFC's running a pay-per-view this weekend. They're giving a title shot to a guy who hasn't fought in three and a half years. It's stupid. It's so WWE, and they've been doing it all the time. I can't stand this. And I get it. It's entertainment. But this is supposed to be a show about wrestling. And the way that you're supposed to get this stuff is by being good or cheating to win. Ah, God, it's so annoying. And then, I so going back to the Liv Morgan-Charlotte Flair match, here's the thing, too, about that, is that I saw some people on Twitter were like, oh, I'm upset, because a lot of people, they just don't like Charlotte. And it's clear, because I see it on my Twitter feed. So they're like, oh, just Charlotte's going to come out, and she's going to bury her, blah, blah, blah. But the way I see it is... This does more for Liv Morgan, and and obviously she had some offense. She wasn't completely dominated over in this entire match, but I think this does more for her than seeing her versus Ruby Riot beat her what three times or I don't, however many times we saw that consistently every single week on Raw. It, it, that didn't do that much for her. Maybe one time, yes, but the <clears throat> next two times, not so much. So seeing her with Charlotte Flair, at least it, it raised her up to another level. Where because you know people who are watching are like, obviously Charlotte is a big deal. So seeing her in the ring with Liv Morgan automatically gives her that, and the fact that they actually gave her some offense definitely helped her out with that so I think that if anything this was pretty good for Liv Morgan when I hear that I'm like why don't they just make Liv Morgan a star too why don't they make her the person that why not try to put her on an even plane with Charlotte then have them fight each other that that just seems to make sense to me and I, I saw one person say I hate AEW records there's ones that are barely over 500 that make you say why are you on TV NBA teams that are below 500, that have losing records, make the playoffs. These people are wrestling every week. Uh, it's not going to be like UFC where you have somebody fighting once every three or four months. It's going to happen like that. Tim Traver says, thank you for the kind words. Hey, thank you for being here. I know that you've had a tough weekend. Andrew Nally says, I really liked Aleister Black's fr- promo it felt different and felt more genuine than the Fight Me promos. I agree. I liked it a lot more than his Fight Me promos because those were just really weird and angsty and odd. This was to set up Money in the Bank. They talked to he and Rey Mysterio. I like this a lot more than Ray's. Yeah, it was two totally different types of different types of promos, that's for sure. Yeah. Buddy Murphy cuts a promo backstage and Drew McIntyre jokes that he doesn't even know his name anymore. He uncorks an ass-kicking early en route to beating Buddy Murphy. Uh, Murphy gets a little bit of offense, but every time I see Drew do that kip-up, I'm like, that's insane that he can even do that. He is so freaking big. Uh, Buddy hits his uh, kick in the corner and a powerbomb, but then he eats a Claymore, and he sold that insanely, Denise. Wow, that was great. That was one of the things that I talked about on previous weeks where I was like, if someone doesn't sell it good, like that just bothers me so much because it's supposed to be a big deal. And I thought he did a really good job at that. I did too. I thought that Buddy Murphy did what he was supposed to do here. Would I like him in a better role? Sure. But I like him as the disciple of Seth Rollins because I know that eventually, well, I assume eventually we will get a Buddy Murphy, Seth Rollins match. I just hope they don't forget about Buddy Murphy after that, like they forgot about Akam. Uh, yeah, Roll- Rollins won't get into the ring. 
He leaves, then reappears and surprises Drew with a super kick. But then McIntyre hits him with a headbutt. Rollins dips out before the Claymore hits. And that was Monday Night Raw. What did you think of it? So, first of all, I going back to the match, I liked how when Buddy was, Buddy Murphy was kicking him and, you know, he was chopping him and it was, just wasn't doing anything. And then Drew McIntyre gets him with the chop. I thought that out of ever, ever since uh, Drew McIntyre won the championship, I felt that this was the strongest he has looked on Raw since. I feel that, yeah, he's, uh, he's you know, been looking like a champion the past few weeks, but not as strong as tonight. I thought today it really came through like this is a champion and he he just came across differently like I saw him as more grand I guess you can say um I did like the ending because I didn't see Seth Rollins coming back I actually thought that he was gone and then he came back and I was like wait where did he come from like it took me a second to register that he came back and so that took me by surprise and if you take me by surprise then I'm a fan I can't hate it at all so I really did like the ending, especially the fact that they both were essentially on top on their feet at the end and not one guy was over the other one. They both got something in, something that if I'm a fan and I'm watching this, I'm going to probably be like, hey, I'm a little torn. I would have automatically assumed Drew's going to win, but after seeing this interaction with Seth, you know, I might think differently. Hey, I want to watch Money in the Bank and see who's really going to win here. Is Seth going to get his title back? Whatever. So I actually felt that that ending was pretty strong. Yeah, I, I really like that. I When I saw Rollins come in, I was like, damn, did they cleverly edit that? Did they like pause the tape and say, hey, go get in the ring? Because that, that was fantastic. I, I'm with you. I really, really like that. Reminder, guys, donate a Super Chat. Any amount, get your question or statement read on the air. Korasami1997 says, I think the last person WWE gave a title shot to because of a winning streak was Becky in 2018 before SummerSlam. It seems so long ago. I'm sure they've done it with somebody else. I would just have to go back and look and I don't know. It just seems like it just seems like nobody can go a couple months without having clean wins. And there's Macho Man Randy Savage said he always preferred to win him in the ring, lose him in the ring cuz he was good enough to lose them in the ring and stay over. Uh that's another thing. It's I looked up a stat Denise between WrestleMania 35 and 36, Seth Rollins had, I think, I think it was like 30 singles matches. 17 ended in DQ or no contest. Really? Yes. I'm not surprised at all because I feel like, I, I feel like I remember seeing all of that. Yeah, you gotta be good enough to win or lose him in the ring. It's a thing Jim Ross screams about on his podcast. If you can't get out of a match, Without the guy you want looking good, looking good, and the other guy being fine, then why'd you book the match? Just make yeah, it make because sense. then it, it just kind of it dehypes a match. I don't know if that's even that's definitely not a word. It but works. it makes it less important. So I wanna know that if a guy gets a clean win, hey, this is important. He's important. I need to be looking at that guy. So I feel that whenever we don't get that, it just diminishes it. You know, it doesn't make it seem important. So the next time I see the match, I'm not gonna see it as a big deal because it it to me it's important if it's a clean finish. So, uh, WWE Money in the Bank 2020, this Sunday, we're going to go ahead and make our predictions. It has not been announced, but we are going to predict it. Viking Raiders, Street Profits, Raw Tag Team Championships. Street Profits are going to win this match, Denise. 
I think they have to just because I think they just have to. I'm going to go with Street Profits as well. But I won't be surprised if Viking Raiders just come out of nowhere, though. SmackDown tag team title four-way match. New Day defend against the Forgotten Sons, Miz and John Morrison, and Lucha House Party. I don't have a damn clue why Lucha House Party are in this. They have not. They, they, they just lost. New Day just lost because, you know, the champions always got to lose. So I, I it could be any one of these four. There's never a chase in the SmackDown Tag Team title division. Everybody just has the titles and they switch them around. And I don't... It's it's the most 50-50 title there is. And somehow the matches are always good and I'm always into them. It's one of those weird situations where 50-50 works for me. But I don't have a certain pick. If I had to pick somebody, I would probably say Forgotten Sons. I'm going to go with the fact that I feel like the same guys are always winning when it comes to the SmackDown Tag Team titles. So I'm going to go with New Day. Bailey defends the SmackDown Women's Championship against Tamina. If Tamina wins this, I might hurl myself out of my second floor office. Man. Uh, yeah, I can't see Tamina winning this, so I'm going to go with Bailey. Uh, yeah, I think I, Bailey's got to win this. Got to, got to win this, and it's it's the right thing to do. Uh, somebody had said that um, that Lucha House Party just beat Miz and Morrison. You're right. My bad. But they lost. So you to the, swear they're gonna give it to Lucha House Party? <laughs> yeah, and here's the thing: they lost to the Forgotten Sons before that. They lost the tag team title match before that. They lost the gauntlet match before that. They lost the top contendership match before that. Uh, let's see, what else was there? They lost another top contender match before that. There you go. That, that's why I ain't keen on it. Not keen on it. Up next, SmackDown, or not SmackDown, it's the Women's Money in the Bank ladder match. Dana Brooke, Asuka, Nia Jax, Shayna Baszler, Lacey Evans, and Carmella. Conventional wisdom would say Shayna Baszler, but I, th- I think Becky Lynch needs something else, something else, and I don't know what that something else is. It might be one of the women on Raw winning this and then just terrorizing her while she has another feud. But here's the thing: if the Money in the Bank winner doesn't challenge her immediately. I don't know who she's supposed to face because everybody else has been losing Denise. Yeah, I was going to say, I feel like it should be anyone but Naya. But now I'm starting to think that maybe Naya could win it. But the point of this is, though, is that Becky's reign should definitely not end with a cheap cash in at all. It should be something where it solidifies another person. So if it if it is Naya, I would hope that she doesn't necessarily just beat Becky and get the title because I, I don't think I'd be there for that one. Um, so oh, yeah, I think I if think it's Nia, I think if it's Nia, then Becky should beat her. No, yeah, like Be- Becky should win, like not Nia. Yeah. So, but I'm saying, so I don't know like who will win this one. I, I don't, I have a feeling that it might be Nia Jax just because they've, you know, they've brought her back. They've been protecting her. She's been winning. It could possibly be Nia, but I would say that it could either be Shane or Asuka as well. Men's Money in the Bank ladder match. Daniel Bryan, Rey Mysterio, Aleister Black, King Corbin, Otis, and AJ Styles. I think AJ's going to win it, but I would be satisfied with anybody besides Corbin. 
I would prefer not Ray either because I, I he just doesn't need it. I'm going to go with Alistair Black because I think that Daniel, AJ, and Ray are all established. Corbin would essentially be away since he hasn't really won a feud or anything like that. Otis is just simply not there yet. So I would think that Alistair is the only one that would benefit from it. I got to say, if Otis manages to win this and they get him out in front of crowds again, I think he's going to be super, super over. But I don't know what they think of Otis. I don't know if they see him as just comedy guy or if they think he can be something i think that this would be so much charisma man so much i think this would be a great way to reestablish aj i mean he is established but to insert him back into the main event picture i don't think it's brian his he said that his deal's up later this year there you go braun Strowman versus bray wyatt it should be noted i don't think this is the fiend it's just bray wyatt so braun's gonna win if that's the case um, I'm going to go with Bray, although it'd kind of be pointless because it's kind of like, well, why'd you take the belt off of him in the first place? But I'm just going to go with Bray for this one. Yeah, I, I just don't think there's any way that they take it off of Braun with Bray. And the, the excuse always should have been Bray Wyatt loses the matches, the Fiend wins the matches. Bray Wyatt should have been the susceptible type of personality. That's That's who should have faced Goldberg, too, but... Oh, well. Drew McIntyre defends against Seth Rollins' WWE Championship match. I don't think there's any way they take the title off of Drew this early. It would, I think it would hamper him big time. Yeah, definitely Drew to win on this one. I would be shocked if, if he lost. Well, we will be here this Sunday for the Money in the Bank post-show. Make sure you guys leave a thumbs up. Listen, you boy, this Wednesday you have the Distraction Podcast. Joe Holbert and Jeremy Lambert have been reviewing different things over the last few weeks, wrestling-related films. This week it's Stuber with Dave Batista. Last week it was The Chaperone with Triple H. Categorically different qualities of movies there. But Denise, what do you got going on this week? All right, so this entire month, I've decided to just make my life a living hell. So I've decided to do a 31-day video challenge on YouTube, which means that every day for the next 31 days, I will be publishing, uploading a video on YouTube, a new one, a random one. It could be something different each and every single day, but I'm going to do it. And so check it out, youtube.com slash Denise Salcedo. I just posted today. Today's video was a interview with Raylan Castor, who – uh, was a co-stars with the big show on the big yeah. show show on Netflix. So you definitely want to check that out. I mean, she talks about going to the Ariana Grande concert with the big show. So that's interesting oh, wow. within itself. So yeah. Uh, and Twitter and Instagram at underscore Denise Salcedo. Yeah. You never know what kind of nuggets you'll find in an interview like that. So make sure you guys check that out. Check out Denise's channel. She's got a lot of good stuff over there. Uh, Wild Boy says, you don't think Daniel Bryan will re-sign? I don't know. I can't pretend to understand the motivations of a guy like Daniel Bryan, much less a millionaire like Daniel Bryan, who has been under WWE employee getting six figures for the last decade. Hard for me to tell. I mean, the guy composts and all that stuff. I don't do that. I don't know where his motivations lie. He might want to go make art for a year on the indie circuit, assuming there is an indie circuit when all this is done. So it's hard for me to say that. I think he'll re-sign, but also uh, WWE is going to try to strong-arm him into sticking around, saying that they could extend his deal anyway. So that was that was uh, a couple years ago, but we'll see how it goes. But until next time, guys, UFC this weekend, Money in the Bank this weekend, we're out.
say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. Ohio, ready for some quick mental health facts? Let's go. Nearly 2 million Ohioans live with a mental health condition. In the U.S., more than 50% of people will be diagnosed with a mental illness in their lifetime. Depression is a leading cause of disability worldwide. So why are some of us still stigmatizing people living with a mental health condition when we know all of this? Let's listen to the facts and beat the stigma. Ohio, challenge what you know about mental health at beatthestigma.org.